There's just a strong anointing on what we're going to get across to tonight. Amen. God's got a plan. Amen. Amen. Got your Bibles? You ready? Yes. Ready. Now I want you to write down. We're going to start studying something tonight, and and I, I'm expecting we'll maybe spend several Wednesday nights on it. I don't know. You know how that goes. Sometimes it's short. Sometimes it's a while. But we're going to talk about walking in newness of life. And if you want to write that down, walk. I'm going to give you a subtitle to it of what we're going to deal with actually tonight. But the, here's what we're going to deal with tonight. Walking with God is walking in power. So we're going to deal with walking with God, what it means, you know, and why that's necessary that we walk with God and, and how that, the result of that is to walk in power. Amen. You're walking with God, you walk in power. So I'm going to say some things at the beginning of this that I want you to watch. We're going to put up some scriptures, of course, on the screen. Others will look up. You go ahead and turn to Ecclesiastes 6. Now, I say that we're kind of expecting you probably got a King James Bible or something near that. And uh, then I'll put other, another scripture up on the screen tonight or another translation of it. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 6. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ecclesiastes chapter 6. Now, when you found that chapter, just, just look up here because I want to I tell you something, give you some things, or write down, at least write down some good notes. Walking with God is walking empowered. God has a destiny for every person. Amen. I want you to hear that. God has a destiny. We hear that word quite often. Boy, you know, you've got to fulfill your destiny. Well, we're going to break that down real quick and look at it. God has for every person a destiny. Amen. The word destiny, and we're going to find it in another translation of the Bible. We're going to read it in King James here, but then we're going to find it in the message translation in just a minute. It uses that word destiny. It actually means, there's a lot of people talk about, well, it means events that happen in a person's life. You know, comes people say, oh, that's your destiny. Or if it's a serendipity is a word they use, kind of a modern word. Things, this happened, that's part of your destiny. Well, that can be true and it cannot be true at times. Okay. But the thing I want you to see is the real word destiny goes way back further than just an event that happened today or something like that. It actually means that which has been firmly established. Okay. What literally means is that life that God has planned for you and he's already firmly established it before you were ever conceived in your mother's womb. God already had a plan. I'm going to show you a New Testament scripture that will prove that in just a minute. So destiny is that which has been firmly established, but as we said, literally it means that God had a plan that he established before you were ever even conceived. That plan was for you. The word destiny can better be understood if we just use the word destination. You know, it's your destiny is your destination, where you're headed. In other words, where God pre-planned for you to go and what your life is to experience. Not just day-to-day events, but where we end up this thing, you know. Is this part of your destiny? So, in other words, listen to this. One final destination, we're all headed to, we understand that, but many destination stops along the way. And those destination stops can be signposts, if you will, that says, hey, you're on track for your destiny. Because when you're experiencing something that is not the will of God for your life, you should say, you know, wait a minute now. This may mean I'm not on track for my destiny right here. And so you resist that. So our our final destination, but many destinations stops along the way. Ways that we can tell that we're on the proper path for reaching our destiny. Now look at this scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 6. Look at this, Ecclesiastes 6. Have you got it? This is, of course, the writer of saying these things. Verse 10, 11, and 12, where we're going to read. That which has been is named already. That which has already happened will happen. And it's known that it is man. And it is known that it is man. Neither may he contend with him that is mightier than he. In other words, if somebody's got a plan for your life, we're talking about God, you're not big enough to change that. Better find out what God's plan is. Seeing there be many things that increase vanity, what is uh, is man the better? 
And it's a little hard to understand. We'll understand it better when we read the message translation. For who knows what is good for a man in this life? Now, of course, what's the answer to that already? Who knows? God does. For who knows what is good for a man in this life? All the days of his vain life which he spendeth are just like a shadow. For who can tell a man what shall be after him under the sun? A little blind to us. But look up on the screen at the message translation. I believe it will bring it out better. Whatever happens, happens. Now this is the writer. Now he says just whatever happens in your life happens, but its destiny is fixed. The eternal destiny of your life is already planned or pre-planned in God. You can't argue with fate. Look at these words. But we're not going to understand it the way the world defines these words like fate. We're going to understand it the way God wants us to understand it. Whatever happens, happens. Its destiny, its destiny is fixed. You can't argue with fate. Now, what? we're going to understand it better now. The more words that you speak, the more smoke there is in the air. In other words, if you start speaking a lot of things that is against the plan of God for your life, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and God's never in it, you just fill in the air with smoke, he said. You better find out who's got the plan for your life. The more words, that's, watch it again, the more words that are spoken, the more smoke there is in the air. And who's any better off when you just run your mouth about a lot of things? And who knows what's best for us as we live our meager smoke and shadow lives? Who knows what's best? And who can tell any of us the next chapter of our lives? Well, of course, obviously God can, and that's what the, the preacher, that's what the Ecclesiastes means. He's the preacher. And he's preaching to us that God's got a plan, and we try to fill our lives with a lot of other things, but God's got that plan, and let's go to him for these kind of things. Seek to him for that destiny. Now let's understand it from the New Testament. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Now, I wouldn't want to preach that verse and leave you with it out of Ecclesiastes if we didn't have a New Testament verse to go with it. We don't live under the, we don't live under the Old Testament like that. And so it's written sometimes in a, in a negative sense. But the idea is if we can relate that to what the New Testament says about it, then we can understand that God knows better for our lives. Amen. And he's got a plan for us. Now that doesn't mean that when a bad thing, this is what I don't want you to mean, this is what the world would try to tell you, that when bad things happen to you, that's just fate. You know, God wanted you to have that problem today. No, it's probably because you made a wrong decision and it set you up. And the devil, see, the devil's always trying to push another destiny or destination in your life. You know, I mean, we say words like this a lot of times, but it's just, it's a good way to sum it up. Satan wants you to end with failure. Satan wants you to end your life as a nobody, you know, with just insignificant and, and that you, you know, never accomplish things or, or broke or in fear or just, you know, controlled by all those demonic forces, really. Or sickness, disease. We know enough about the New Testament. No sickness and disease is not our destiny. Amen. That's right. Amen. But see, now, if you just took Ecclesiastes like that, also, well, if it happens, that must have meant that that was the plan for my life. You know, the doctor said I got cancer, so, you know, that's just the plan for my life. And I guess that was what God pre-planned. No, no, no. He's got to think better than that. You'll understand it better when we match it with the New Testament verse now. Amen. And this is what we want to look at. Now, if you'll look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And again, I'm going to read to you out of a... Another translation, in this case, I'm going to read Amplified Classic in just a minute, but let me get over here with you. Ephesians chapter 2. Let me get over here with you. Verse 10. Now, this is talking about we're in Christ. Previous verses, verse 6, he says he raised us up together, made us sit with him, so we're not talking about our relationship with him. Verse 10, we, you and I sitting tonight here on the blue chairs, we are his workmanship. We could talk generally to the whole world, saved or unsaved. We could say, you know, hey, uh, we're all God's creation. We're made in his image and all this. But in the New Testament, we've been born again or recreated. Amen. Yes. Amen. 
recreated in Christ. And now this is what this verse is talking to. This isn't talking to everybody on the planet. This is talking to the church, believers. You've been recreated in Christ. So you've got a recreation that the rest of the world hadn't experienced yet. Now let's, let's watch it now. So he says, we are his workmanship. You're a product of God's own craftsmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus. For what reason? Unto good works. Which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Now, that before ordained, I wanted you to point out to you. See, prearranged, one translation is going to say here in just a minute. Sometimes that's where predestined, you know, ideas, excuse me, predestination. God's got a plan. God's pre-planned things. How did he do it? Before you was even conceived in your mother's womb, he already had that plan. Amen. Well, our job is to walk with him. Can you see why it's important to walk with him? I was reading somebody, and I forgot now who it was, and it might have been, Oh, goodness, it might have even been Thomas Edison, one of the greatest, uh, most Americans say it's the greatest mind that America has ever put out is Thomas Edison, ever. And it may, be, it may have been him that I was reading after today when I saw that. But anyway, he made this statement. He said, if you walk with God, you'll fulfill your destiny. If you don't, you'll, you'll end up in something else. Wow. But, you, but that's, a, that's a good point. If you're walking with God, you'll fulfill your destiny. But if you don't, you'll end up somewhere else. Than where other than where God planned for you to be. Now, I'm not just talking heaven hells. That makes sense to you. I'm talking about where you are in your life, where you are in your health, where you are in your finances and all these kind of things. So this says, we're his workmanship. Read it real slow in the King James so we can get it. We're his workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus, or we've been born anew in Christ Jesus unto good works for the purpose of doing good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Now, that's pretty powerful, but look up at the Amplified Classic version here. Amplified Classic means it's the old Amplified version that you've read for years. And I underlined a few things to point out to you, but let's start from the beginning. We are God's own handiwork, we Christians are. His workmanship, recreated, he says in the Amplified, recreated in Christ Jesus. We've been born anew. Why? So that we may do those good works. I was listening to Andrew Womack. Y'all might have heard him say this before, but he, he was raised Baptist, you know. And he said in the Baptist church, he said, I'm, he said, I'm not against the Baptists because they got me saved. And he said, but you know, he said, the Baptists, he said, all we ever did was try to get each other saved or try to make us go out and get other people saved. And that's a good thing because it's good that people are saved going to heaven. But he said, but the idea is we don't go any further than that. And I remembered when I heard him say that, you know, because he said the Baptist just didn't go any further. And, and I remembered that the Lord told me that when I was in college. He said, James, he said, what the Baptists say isn't wrong, talking about salvation. He said, it isn't wrong, it's just they don't go far enough. Yeah. And that's what God was saying through Andrew. And then Andrew said this, so in the Baptist church, he said, we just talked about sweet by and by, pie in the sky. And, he, and Andrew said, but he said, there's a whole lot more than just sweet by and by, pie in the sky. There's steak on your plate while you wait. Yes, now he's not talking about steak. He's talking about there's good right. things right now that we don't have to wait till we get to heaven That's to right. experience. <laughs> anyway, so let's look at this. We are God's own handiwork. We're his workmanship. We're recreated in Christ Jesus, born in you, so that we may do those good works. See, not just to be saved and sit on a church pew, but to get busy doing those good works. Now watch it real slow. And I underline some things, which God predestined. In other words, we need to now be busy in our lives about good works that God wants us to do that he predestined destined or planned beforehand. Amen. So God had a plan beforehand, right? Amen. Now, think about how far really his plan goes. When, when did God have a plan for you? Before we were conceived. I've said that two or three times. Well, how far back does that go? When did he have this plan? Literally before creation. Because the Bible talks, I, I could not 
take the time to do it tonight, but you can look it up two or three times in the New Testament. It talks about he had this plan before the world was created. So before he created the world and put man in it, he already had a plan for your life. You, you, your, your plan was already set. And that's all he's trying to do is get us back on that plan. All right, because the devil worked to get us off. So we've been born anew, middle of the verse, born anew right there, that we may do those good works which God predestined, which he planned beforehand, when? Before the foundation of the world. What does he want us to do? For us taking paths, taking pathways, see, walking with God. See, if you walk with God, he'll direct you. No, 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 not that way, this way. Don't, don't, don't step that way. I want you to walk this way. But if we're not walking with God, we're bound to get off into something and we don't hear his correction because we weren't even walking with him. Does that make sense to you? This is why it's real important that we walk by faith. Real important that we're walking with him day by day, that we're communicating with him regular because we don't want to get off on the wrong path. Because God's got a plan for us to, let's go back to it now, born anew, start back with born anew right there, that we're born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined or planned beforehand Amen. for us. In other words, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, Amen. that we should walk in them. And he explains it by saying, that means living the good life. That's where the amen goes. Living the good life. Do you think we, you and I need to be taught what the good life is? Uh, you know what a good life is, and you know when it's not good life. That's right, amen. Living the good life, which God prearranged and made ready for us to live. Amen. Well, now let me emphasize this last little phrase. He's already made this plan ready for us. It's all ready. So look, if you've walked wrongly over here, let's just use health for a minute. If we've walked in poor health, and we say, wait a minute, now God's got good health for me. It's already prearranged. He's already got it ready. I, I don't have to say, okay, Lord, I'm sorry I walked 30 years of my life without your healing plan. I need to get it now. It's going to take me 30 years to get over into it. No, no, he's already got it ready. Right. Just step over into it. Start walking with him. Walk right over in that. You could, you could preach against prosperity for four decades and realize, wait a minute, the Bible says that he wants to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And it doesn't take you 40 years to get back to it because he's already got it ready. Think about that. So what, what, what we're talking about here is stuff that he's already provided. He's already got ready. It's just learning to walk with him so that we're on the right path for the destiny that he planned for our lives. Well, how many of you know the problem with all of this that we're talking about is that you and I have choices? See, this is the deal. I say problem. It's not a problem to God because he couldn't have us any other way. But the Bible makes it real plain that he created us with the ability to make free moral choices. By the word moral, I mean good choices. We have the right to do it. You don't really have the right to make bad choices, but you, do, you can do that. You know, you, actually, when you study the New Testament, the Bible says that we've been, you remember the Sunday when we talked about that price that Jesus paid for us to be free? And he went to hell three days and three nights for us and paid that price. He, he experienced hell so we wouldn't have to. Amen. And you can't talk about that enough to make it strong enough for people to understand that. But it ought to just make us get up and say, look at the price that's been paid. You, know, you always know what something's worth by what somebody would offer for it. Sometimes nowadays, because you've got all these online things that people can, I don't know what you call them, like eBay or something where you can put something out there for auction and see. And you don't have to sell it if you get it all pre-arranged. First of all, you just sometimes throw it out there and see what people might offer for it. Find out what it's worth. 
You can run a car through the cell if you work out the deal ahead of time. I don't know how you do all that, but you know you can say, I just want to run it through, and if it's good enough, I'll take it. If it's not, if it don't reach this, I'm not going to sell. Isn't that right? Anybody ever done that? Can't you, can't you make that? You don't have to sell it if you don't want to. huh? Reserved, all right? So there's a way for that. Well, you can throw things out there sometimes just to kind of get an idea what somebody say. I've got a man that keeps coming by here. He wants to buy something that I've got. And I, I, you know, I, I just say no because it's got too much sentimental value in it. I want to keep it. And, and he comes by every so often and he just wants to buy it and wants to buy it. And he says, are you going to sell that? And I said, what you offering? And he, it shocked him that I said that that day. But everything's got a price if it's enough. And it wasn't $3.2 million, so I didn't take it. But, you know, but, uh, but the idea is you can put it out there and see what, what somebody would offer for something and find it's worth it. Kid with Susan, sometimes if, if somebody drove a 1964 Mustang into this room right here tonight, Susan would say, Look at that old car. That is a home. Who would want that old car? How much would you? I wouldn't give you nothing for that old car. But little James, on the other hand, would be saying, Oh, if I had a million dollars, I'd give it to you for that car because he sees the value in, in, in a classic like that or something, you know, whatever a car. He's talking about something else on the way here tonight. I don't know. He's always got eye on cars. But see, the value, an old car, like what we call a classic like that. I learned to drive on a 1955 Chevrolet, and because my cousin, cousin's husband, cousin by marriage, he uh, collects 57s and 55 Chevys and just absolutely loves them, and his wife hadn't figured out yet why he likes them, <laughs> and she can't see any, you know, because I'd drive him all over, the, all over Alabama on the back of a motorcycle when I was 14, just so he could find them sitting out in the field or out in an old barn somewhere, and he'd, if he could buy them, he'd buy them and fix them up, you know, and she just, why is Bobby buying all that junk? See, I mean, that's the way, because she don't put a value on it. Well, just because the devil hadn't offered you a whole lot for your life doesn't mean that you're not worth something. Look at what God was willing to pay for you. And we talked a little bit about that Sunday. Enough for his son to suffer three days and three nights in hell carrying your sins so you wouldn't have to. His own son die for you, pay a price for you just so that he could have you. Yes, thank you. And then sometimes your own family don't realize why anybody put a price like that on you. I mean, he's got school teachers that probably wouldn't think you're worth much. That's it. Go anywhere, is it? But the idea is, but God would pay an awesome price for it because he sees in you. Beauty is an eye of the beholder. They say, he sees in you what you're real worth. Right. Amen. person that doesn't understand a 55 Chevy doesn't understand the real value of that Chevy. Does that make sense to anybody? But God understands the value of people. And so he's paid an awesome price to get you there. Well, the Bible says that we have the right to make free moral choices. And then we become responsible for those choices once we make them. Right. Amen. Because that's what sin is. We're going to mention, use the scripture that talks about sin. Let me just define sin. If you don't know this, write it down. The word sin, you know, if you said, what is sin? What does it mean? Well, people say, well, I guess it's just disobeying God. Well, that's certainly right. But it really has to do with this plan that God has for you. Because the literal translation of the word sin means to miss the mark. Like, like if you're shooting an arrow, somebody in archery that's shooting an arrow at something. If you, here's the difference in the word sin and transgression. Sin means you were aiming at the bullseye, but you missed the mark. In the Roman days when somebody would be shooting an arrow, they, they had one guy standing out there watching down by the target, which doesn't sound like a safe place to play to me. And he's down there watching. And so his job was, because, you know, you shoot these arrows, we're not talking about 50 or 100 yards. Sometimes they'd be 200 or whatever it might have been. I guess it depends on what kind of bow they're shooting. But when they would shoot those bows and, and arrows toward a target from way off, well, the guy down here, his job was to evaluate and see where it hit. And if he hollered back that you had missed it, he said, sin, which means you missed the target. 
Now that's sin. We're trying to aim right, but we miss it. Then comes in the word transgression. Transgression means you knew good and well what you was doing and you wasn't even aiming at the target. You aimed over here somewhere on purpose. Now we've all got a lot of transgressions, but Jesus bore our sins and our transgressions, thank God, and removes those. So there's a difference in that. But the word sin that we're going to look at tonight literally means you're missing the mark. So let's say it like this. Sin means you're missing the pathway for your destiny. So God's saying, I'm, I'm experiencing this and going through this. God says, no, no, don't walk that way. You need to be over this way because you're going to end up wrong. You know, I learned that flying, you, you fly by instruments or you fly by a heading on your, as, as you look, whatever degree that you're, you're on your compass that you're setting that heading of that plane. And it always amazed me in flying. I just flew for a little bit, but you, you learn that you take off and you're headed to a city in Louisiana from Alabama, headed to Louisiana, and you've never even been there. But if you set the proper heading and, and adjust for the wind, crosswinds and all that, you'll fly right over the top of that airport. I mean, just by following that heading. It's an amazing thing. And you, you can stay right on track because it's already laid out on the map and the compass knows where to, where to take you to. Well, it's the same way, but here's, here's with our lives. Here's what's a little bit interesting about that to me is if you're one degree off, the further you're going, the further you're going to be off. See, now, if, if I'm supposed to walk to Brother Reggie at a dead heading of whatever it is, three degrees right now, let's just say he's dead heading straight ahead of me, three degrees, but if I choose to walk four degrees, you got it? Then I'm going to miss him a little bit, but in a, in a distance like this, why, I'm, I'll find him, see? But suppose suppose my direction I'm going, supposed to be three degrees and I'm headed four degrees, suppose it's uh, 250 miles from here. By the time I walk, see, 250 miles, I don't even see that airport because I'm so far away by that point. And that's why the devil, he's always working to get us just one little degree off. And we say, well, I'm not off much. I still see God. Yeah, but you might not later. So this is why we want to walk in tune with God through our whole lives. Lord, what do you want me to be doing today? Lord, what, what does the Bible say? And stand on promises and how to experience power because walking with God is walking in power. So the Bible says we got these choices, but yet we become responsible when we make the wrong choices because we have the right to do that. That's why, that's why sin is sin. It's judged because he told us to do one thing and we walked another way. That's why it's called sin. Say amen to that if you can see it. So your destiny, though, back to this now, your destiny depends upon whether we live and walk with, in harmony with God or whether we don't. If we don't follow his word and live the way his word says and constantly feeding on that so that we're constantly on direction. See, what is, a, what is an airplane pilot doing? Or if it's a big enough plane, he's got another man assigned to do this. He's called the navigator. And he's constantly saying, no, we need to make an adjustment because we've got a new crosswind here, you know, whatever, and so many knots, and we've got to turn this. What's he doing? His job, the navigator, is to keep them on track so we get where we're going. Yeah. Destination, destiny. Well, God, if we're walking with him, he's the navigator. The Holy Ghost is the navigator. We'll put it like that. And he's constantly making these adjustments. No, 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 that doesn't line up with my word. Come on. You with me? And so he's keeping us on track so that we always come right to the place that we're supposed to be in our destiny. Amen. So your destiny depends on whether or not you're living and walking in harmony with God every day and following his word. It becomes your responsibility to decide your destiny because where your destination is going to end is whatever you decided to go with. Whether it's God's destiny that he pre-planned for you before the foundation of the world or some new destiny that you've come up with. And you think you made it up because it sounds nice, but you didn't realize the devil's the one dangling those things out in front of you. <laughs> So what are we really after? Well, the good life. Didn't we just read that scripture? The good life. 
look on the screen just for a minute. Here's some, a couple of scriptures that I have already written down for you here. It's Proverbs 16, 3, for example, says, if you commit yourself to the Lord, see, walk with him. If you commit yourself to the Lord, whatever you do, then he's going to establish your plans. Amen. Which means, it literally translates, means he's going to put you back on the established plan. Yes. But you've got to commit yourself to him. And this is why we said a couple of weeks ago, and you ought to write this down if you didn't get it. You ought to say, I, I trust God enough to know that he will not mismanage my life. That's right. Amen. There's not anything in the Bible that God had in there for you and me to follow our lives after, pattern our lives according to, that's going to mismanage you. You're not going to end up worse because you obeyed God. The devil will try to make you think that sometimes. Because he tries to put obstacles out there in hard times. But the truth is, if you commit yourself over to the Lord following his plan, then whatever you do, he's always going to establish your plans and keep you on track, in other words. Isn't that good? That's the NIV. If you want to jot that down, that was the New International Version. This next one also is New International Version. If you'll look this one up, this is Proverbs 19 in verse 20. Just look up on the screen, rather. Just write it down. Proverbs 19, verse 20. And this is the NIV. If you'd look up here, we'll read together. God says, listen to advice and accept discipline, there's the navigator talking to us, and at the end, you'll be counted among wise people. Amen. You'll be counted among the wise if you learn to listen to God's advice because he's constantly trying to keep us on track. You will not experience this kind of power that we're going to get in tonight without walking with him, except you walk with him and you can just forget it. Here's another scripture on it, Proverbs 20, verse 24. Again, it's the NIV, Proverbs 20, verse 24. This is interesting. A person steps, isn't that steps, isn't that what's required in walking? You know, I've asked y'all before, look look at me if I can do it right quickly, but tell me when I'm walking. Tell me as soon as I start walking. I mean just tell me when I'm in in what's called walking. Walking. One step. One step. You know, you can disobey God for 30 years, but the moment you move toward him, you're walking, buddy. And when you're walking in step with him, a person steps. Now, this is interesting. A person's steps are directed by the Lord. We could say with what we're talking about tonight, when a person's steps are directed by the Lord, how then can anyone understand their own way? You can't figure it out. You better let the Lord start directing those steps. It's not up to you to figure out a plan. You weren't before creation. God was. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's greater. He's got the plan. Amen. Isn't that good? So a person steps. Well, then you can understand. Now, what we have to do, look on the screen again, a familiar scripture, Romans 12, 2. We're all familiar with this one. But again, I put it in the NIV version tonight. This is where we get our mind renewed. So our job is to not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't do what the world's doing just because the world's doing it. I was reading after one man that he said the church is, he's talking about the modern church. He said the modern church is successfully now creating God in their own image. You want to think on that a minute? The modern church is creating God in their image rather than us being created in his image. In other words, we're trying to make a God that fits what we want. And is that not what the Bible prophesied in the, that in the last days there would be teachers tickling the ears of people only preaching what people want to hear? Do you remember that in the book of Timothy? So here he says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Now that's our responsibility to make sure that we let our lives be submitted to the word so that we can be transformed from the world's way of looking and change, transform means metamorphosize. That's the, you learn that in biology. It's the, the word transform is the same word as to metamorphosize. It's actually metamorphosis, I think, is the way it puts it in the Greek. But it means to metamorphosize. It's the process that a caterpillar goes to become a butterfly. Uh, 
process that a tadpole becomes a frog. It's that changing process. So God says, let's read it again like that. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be metamorphosized by the renewing of your mind. Of course, we know to the word, fill our hearts with the word so that we think like God, talk like God, believe like God, expect like God. And, and change your expectations. The Word of God will always change your expectation. If you're a person that has tolerated poverty in your life, the more you read the Scriptures, the less you'll tolerate that poverty. You'll get, you'll get man, so wait a minute. This, this, I don't care what people have taught me. This is not Bible. Bible says that God supplies my need, as we said a while ago. You just won't tolerate. You won't put up with sickness. If, if you're a person that was trained that God puts sickness on people to teach you, you know, teach you something, and God chooses some people for sickness and he predestined for some of us to be sick and so, you know, whatever. If you've got that kind of teaching, if you'd go to the word of God with a hungry heart, it might take you a little while to undo that religious idea, but long enough, you'll transform to the renewing of the word. And the word says, you know what? I'm not, Jesus bore sickness. Why would I care? Have you ever thought about what a misjustice it is to think that God would put sickness on you when the scripture says clearly in Isaiah 53 that he put all sickness and disease on Jesus? That'd be like saying, okay, this person's guilty of death. Uh, and, and, you know, you, you can imagine if somebody, if they do this, if somebody said, look, I'll, I'll die for them in the electric chair. I'm going to put my life there. And the judge says, okay, we're going to let you die for them. And then they'll go free. And then they, so they take the life of this individual here and they say, well, now that he's dead, we're going to kill you too. That'd be a misjustice, wouldn't right. it? Amen. Now, I know they probably wouldn't do that in court of law, but I'm just saying if that was set up yeah. like that, they'd say, that we would say, that's a misjustice. A life has already been paid for that. Right. Amen. Well, see, that's what we accuse God of all the that's time. Good. We say that God put all sin on Jesus, but he's judging me for my sin. Oh, that's, that's a misjustice. That's God put all sickness on Jesus, but yet now he wants sickness on me. That's a miscarriage of that's justice. Right. God would never do that. He's that's much more good. integral than that. So let's read it again. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be metamorphosized. That means changed completely, where you don't look like what you were. Be transformed, metamorphosized by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. There's that destiny for your life. You'll approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Isn't that good? So we're talking about walking with God. Now look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, 1 through 4. Now, let me start out with verse 1 because I said that about sin. Sin is what? Missing the mark. Chapter 5, which we're not going to go back to, is where he was talking about Jesus took care of the sin problem. Where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. You find that in the 20th verse. Oh, yeah, verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but underline that if you want to, if you haven't got it in verse 20. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So we know that grace now has removed our sin, right? Well, because of that, Paul says in what we call chapter 6, verse 1, but we're in a division in chapter and verses the way he wrote, this was a letter, an epistle. And so he goes right in and he says, what shall we say then? I'm in six, what we call 6.1. What shall we say then to all this, the fact that Jesus has carried our sins? Shall we continue to sin so that grace may abound? In other words, should we just sin freely? No. Why do you want to miss the mark? You'll find yourself off, off of what God's got for you. Should we continue to sin so that grace can abound in life? God uh, Paul says, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer in sin? Don't you know, he said, verse 3, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ. Now, this is not talking about water baptism. This is talking about when you got born again, you were immersed. The word baptism means immersed. You were immersed into Jesus. You became in one with him. Don't you know that so many of us as were immersed into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. We were immersed into his death. Therefore, now watch verse 4. 
Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that just like as Christ was raised up from the dead, how? By the glory of the Father, even so we, by the glory of the Father, also should walk in newness of life. Amen. Amen. So now, now let's, let's read that last part again. The same resurrection glory of God that raised Jesus from the dead yes. out of that pit of hell yes. is the same glory that enables me and you to walk Yes. in newness of life every day. Amen. That's why we say we're living in resurrection power yes. every day. Amen. I'm going to say that one more time until maybe it just really sinks down in you. The same power, he said, which is the glory of God, yes. the same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead is now available in me and you Amen. to walk out our daily lives. Amen. To walk in, in this case it says, walk in newness of life. What do you mean a newness of life? Well, look up on the screen just for a minute. The Phillips translation says, rise to a life now on a new plane altogether. We ought not be walking like people of the world. There ought to be a drastic change when we got born again, but it takes us usually time to grow. We have to be taught to grow, right? But the idea I want you to get, not how much time it's taking you to get there, but just that it belongs to it and we have a right to walk in it. So he says, the Phillips says, rise to life now. By the glory of God, he's talking about, rise to life on a new plane altogether. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree that Jesus walked on a different plane than all the rest of the world did? He didn't walk on a religious plane. The religious people thought he was nuts. Thank you for your smile and enthusiasm tonight. He didn't walk like regular people because everybody was amazed at his doctrine. He'd walk into a place and get people healed. He'd walk into a place and let people know they were valued. See, the religious crowd and the crowd that was there with rocks that day when the woman was caught in adultery, they were like, this woman, she's the dirt of the earth. Well, Jesus, Jesus made two things plain. You are too, he said. Isn't that right? I mean, basically, he says, without sin, throw the first stone. So, yeah, you're dirt too. And then he said this to the woman. He said, you don't have any accusers. Not even I accuse you. Come on. Amen. So he didn't leave her as dirt. Right. He said, you know, you're valuable. Amen. Amen. So, so he says, rise to, a, to life on a new plane altogether. The Living Bible says, you were given his wonderful new life to enjoy. Now, all this, I'm not reading the whole verse, but we read it a moment ago. By the glory of God that raised Jesus from the dead, we now are given his wonderful new life yes. to enjoy. Amen. The Passion Translation says we have been co-resurrected with him. Look at this. Here's how Christians read this. We're going to be one day co-resurrected with him. No, no, no. There is a resurrection, rapture coming, understand it. But that's not what this is talking about. This says we are already, we have been already co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of a new life. Praise God. So again, we're talking about walking with God. Well, we know now, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. So I know now there's some, I've got to have faith to walk with God. I mean, because God's going to tell me things to do that doesn't feel like I can do it. He's going to say, you're healed. You know, if I were to ask you tonight, I know I'm one of them and Reggie said him too, but for a nickel, we'd have stayed home nearly. Now, what we meant by that is that there were reasons that we didn't feel like we'd be able to hear, but the Bible didn't change this afternoon. The Bible still says the same, with his stripes you're healed. Well, so I have to say, all right, Lord, but your word that says that, even though we don't feel like that, your word says that, and that word, if I believe it, empowers me to have it and experience it. To walk with God, how do we walk? We walk by faith, not by sight. 
So to walk with God means to walk according to the scriptures by faith in something that we can't even see. Now, now interesting, real quickly, and we're getting close to a close here, but look, real, real quick, watch this. This 2 Corinthians 5 chapter, he was really talking about going to heaven. He's, and I'll read that out to you in the message. Don't go back there. Just make note of it. We'll, we'll do it later, but I'll show it to you in the message. He's talking about going to heaven, and while we're still here, we walk by faith, mm-hmm. not by sight, but we know there's a better home waiting on us. Mm-hmm. This is where he's talking about leaving our earthly tabernacle to have better, you know, we know it's going to be better when we get to heaven, right. but that doesn't mean that we lose faith for down here. We walk by faith while we're here. Amen. This is important. Now, look how it says it in the Amplified, not message, excuse me. He says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We live our lives. Now, this is interesting. You need to underline this or make a note of this so you can go home and look it up yourself. This is the Amplified. Now, if I'm haven't made a mistake here. This is Amplified. When I put AMP, not AMPC, that means it's the new Amplified version that's out there. So if you look in your Amplified Classic, it might not say it quite like this. So this is AMP, all right? That's the new Amplified version. So he says, look, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Amplified says, we walk by faith, not by sight. That means we're living our lives in a manner now that's consistent with our confident belief in God's promises. Y'all didn't amen that good because you're not, you're not, you didn't catch it or something. Like that. We walk by faith, not by sight. Now, notice the next part is what I call a parenthetical statement. It's not parentheses, but a bracket, but you get it. Notice what the, he says in the original Greek. This is the writer of the Amplified Classic, the, the, the uh, translator. He says, what I see in that Greek language is when it says we walk by faith, not by sight, in the rich, rich Greek language, he's saying we're to live our lives in a manner. Every day, I'm going to add that. We're living our lives in a manner that is consistent with our confident belief in God's promises. Confident belief that we're healed, but you don't feel healed. You don't look healed. Well, the Bible says I am. Or prosperous. See, not, somebody, ah, you know, I wasn't raised on the right side of the tracks and grandmama didn't leave me no money and I'm broke and I'm I'm, I'm just in poverty and I probably always will be. That will only change for you when you take the scripture promises and live by faith and God can change that for you. Listen, I'm going to go ahead and say this enough to make every one of us aggravated aggravated enough to just dig deep. But every one of us that I know of, most all of us in this room, have been in the Word long enough that y'all ought to have bank accounts that are just FDIC saying they can't watch out for you. Long enough. But see, most people are still dependent upon what their check is or what their business brings in. And God doesn't want you to live that way. That's do your right. business, enjoy it, let it explode, let it do great, let your, let your uh, job increase and let there be raises, fine. But don't limit your income to those things. That's right. Our churches like that, you know, churches right now suffer. A lot of churches, I've, I read something the other day, Brother Joe, and you might have seen that you look a lot of these things up. I, I think it was something like 2,000 churches, 2,000 a month report. But they just go, you know, can't, can't afford it. They just close their doors. And... So a lot of people say, well, Brother James, you know, you got income because you're, you know, it's a church and all that. Well, there's churches closing their doors because they ain't got income. But we stand on the word. We believe God. We sow seed. That's because the promises. Why do we sow seed? Because God said, give and it'll be given again. Good measure. And and you know what I had a lady tell me, was it yesterday or day before? A lady on the phone from another city that sends in offerings to this church online. And she said, I like sowing with y'all. She talked on the phone now. She said this just yesterday. She said, I like sowing to y'all because she said, God showed me. Now she lives in another city. She says, God showed me that y'all sow better seeds than anybody else I know. So she wanted the money in our account so we could should be part of what we're doing in, in our seeds. I just blessed my I said, well, I don't know about that, but we're enjoying sowing. I know that, you know, but it just blessed me. 
That's a powerful. Yeah, I'm going to tell you something about what your mission money does around here. Amen. You'll get so excited. I mean, I think it'll, if it don't bless you, you can just not even come back for two weeks. I, you'll be on probation. So the scripture says we walk by faith, not by sight, or we live our lives. I, I can't express that enough to you. Look at that parenthetical statement. We live our lives in a manner that is consistent. I, I'm going to say it like this. We are to, or we're supposed to live our lives in a manner consistent with our confident belief in God's promises. We walk by faith, not by sight. So we're walking with God. We're trusting God's unseen plan, living our lives on the promises, always just basing your life every day on the promises. And if you don't read the Bible, you won't know what those promises are. Can I tell you something, uh, Mr. and Miss Old School that's been around a long time, I've read the Bible, I know all about the Bible and all this. Can I tell you something? If you're not reading the Bible still, you're you're, you're only living by what you can remember the Word of God says. And you've forgotten a whole lot. This Bible is the richest book you'll ever get a hold of. Living our lives on the promises. Not become, and, and look, if we live our lives based on the promises, then that means as we walk our path. See, think about it. We're walking with God. Walk by faith, not by sight. We're walking with God, trusting His every word, right? And God says, no, don't do this. Go this way. Don't stand on this scripture. I'm trying to make my house payment. And God says, give this away. And you're like, Lord, I'm trying to make a house payment. He said, trust me. Come on. Yeah. That's right. Come on. Trust Amen. me. So just like Jeremiah's testimony about giving the building fund offering that day, when God said, trust me, I'm trying to keep your house safe. Now you take care of my house, I'll take yours. God's got a thousand ways of blessing you. But you got to trust him. You just got to stay in trust all the time. That's what this scripture is talking about. You walk by faith, not by sight. You got a confident belief that what he's promised. He said, give, then it's going to be better than what I can imagine. So with that in mind, listen, let me make this statement to you. With that in mind, living on his promises, then you have to decide you're not going to become discouraged just because there's a obstacle in the way occasionally. If I'm walking with God and I know that I'm in a path toward my destiny and all of a sudden a bump's in the road, you got to say, I'm standing on the promises. I'm not moved by that bump. I'm not going to be discouraged because there's been a bump in the road. You'd be surprised. Now, what is that? That's in this parable of the source. Those the words where he says persecution and affliction causes them to make the word not effect. You know, they, they, just, they just lay it down. And you can't let persecution and affliction bother you like that. Persecution means when people make fun of you for the things of God. And affliction means when you're having a problem. You've got, you got to say, I'm, I'm not moved by that. Look, I was standing on the word for my healing. All of a sudden, I got sicker than I've ever been in my life. I don't change anything. I'm just going to keep walking with God, trusting Him. Amen. You better run to the doctor. Well, God said you might better run to the scriptures. There's your medicine for all your flesh. See? Or God, as we said a while ago, God says, sow a seed, uh, you know, give, give to that person, go fill their gas tank up. And you say, Lord, I don't even have hardly gas to get to work next week and, and, and won't get paid for 10 more days. And you're telling me to buy them a tank full of gas. And God's saying, trust me. That's right. Amen. You say, well, what if it wasn't the Lord telling you that? Then you, you'll probably run out of gas somewhere That's next right. week. You better make sure you're learning Amen. to hear the voice That's of God. Right. And it's not that hard to hear. Come on. Amen. Amen. Just training, just spending time with him and trusting him. But the main thing you start hearing God is when you start putting confidence in him and trusting with a confident belief in his promises. And not discouraged because there's bumps along the road and a little little thing happened or just, you know, I was believing God for prosperity and the refrigerator quit. Well, that don't mean anything. Just go get a refrigerator. Brother James, that's going to be hard. Believe God. God's trying to get you at something bigger if you just use your faith. Look, Look now, let me show you this in the message translation. To not be discouraged. We walk by faith, not by sight. No, notice, go back to this in the King James. See, it's a little short in the King James. We walk by faith, not by sight. Amplified Classic brings out the rich Greek language of what it says. We go back to this. We walk by faith, not by sight. Notice it says, we walk by faith, not by sight. Notice it doesn't say, we walk by faith, not by sight, as long as there's not a bump in the road. 
So in other words, the problem or the test, the trial, is not supposed to alter our walk. That's right. Amen. That's good. You're going to see that in the message. Now look at the message. You ready for this? Now this is three scripture, you know, three uh, pages, because I wanted to make it big enough. Message Bible. Ready? This is several scriptures around. Remember he's talking about we're headed to heaven ultimately. And we're not going to be worried about things down here. We're going to walk by faith while we're here. Now look at the message Bible. This is several scriptures around it. He said, that's why we live with such good cheer all the time. I'm adding all the time. That's why we live with such good cheer. You won't see us drooping our heads or dragging our feet. Cramped conditions down here on earth don't get us down. They only remind us of the spacious living conditions that are ahead of us. It's what we trust in, don't yet see, walk by faith, not by sight, see. It's what we trust in, but don't yet see that keeps us going. Do you suppose a few ruts in the road or rocks in the paths are going to stop us? When the time comes, we'll be plenty ready to exchange exile on this earth for homecoming in heaven. We're not, we're not upset with things down here. Of course, the devil's going to try to throw things in and keep you out. But you just stand on the word of God and, and, and uh, be, be clear that God's doing things for you. Write this down as a point tonight. I'm going to give you this just real quickly. We're just really almost finished here. Learn to start this every day. Begin each day trusting and knowing that God's at work doing everything you need this day. And, and, and I've learned, you know, it's better to say that, say that in the morning. I, you can write that down any way you want to, but just get up in the morning saying, okay, Lord, I trust you that you and the Holy Spirit, Jesus, that you're working in my life today and you're already working involved in everything I'm going to face today. And I, I don't care how bad it looks, I'll know you're already working it out in my behalf. Amen. Yes. Now, it's surprising how that faith will put you over whatever comes. Come on. Amen. How many of you don't have to be warned that trouble's coming? That's right. Amen. You know, there's going to be a problem. Jesus said in the world, you'll have tribulation. Mm -hmm. Nobody needs to be warned of that. So I just get up in the morning ahead of time. Say, okay, Lord, before any problem tries to present itself That's today, right. I just want you to know I'm confident that you're already at work in my behalf right. in everything. Even what I can't Amen. see, I know that you're taking care of things for me. So begin each day trusting and knowing that God's at work in everything for you and me today. And then remember this, God is creator, right? But he's also a recreator. I don't think I put it on the board, but back to Romans 12, 2, just in your mind right quick. Remember, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed or metamorphosized. That word transformed could be recreated. See, he's constantly recreating us on the inside, metamorphosized. That's a recreation, tadpole to a frog. Tadpole's ugly, but frogs are beautiful. Well, that's not a good illustration, is it? <laughs> Caterpillar is one thing, a worm crawling around the ground. All of a sudden, you've got a beautiful butterfly floating through there. There's a big difference there. And so that's what God's saying. Look, just know that you're going to be recreated. God's always recreating you. That means if there's sickness in your body right now, say, well, my God's a creator and he's a recreator. And so his promises are recreating health in me right now. God is a strengthener. He's strengthening me right now. He's working strength. I'm not worried about my present condition because that's changing. I'm, I'm being metamorphosized. Maybe it's just be good to go around confessing this to people. They don't have to understand what you're saying for you to get the benefit. But just say, you don't have to say it ugly or arrogant, but you just say, you know, I'm in God's recreating process right now. Amen. Oh, I thought you was preaching prosperity. Man, listen, I can remember times that Susan and I would be invited to go preach somewhere and, I, and God would say, I want you to preach on prosperity. <laughs> and the car I was driving looks bad. I said, I remember one time we went to preach one time, I believe it was in Gadsden, and I parked plumb in the back, so hoping nobody would see the car I was driving because I knew I was going to preach a message that was better than that. But if they do see it, and sometimes they do, and it's hard not to see this particular car because it was followed by the Shekinah glory cloud, <laughs> and it would leave a it would leave a, a fingerprint in the parking lot where it had sat. And sometimes people say, but you know, you say. 
I thought you was preaching prosperity. And look what you're driving. Just say, well, I'm in, the, I'm in God's recreative program yes. right now. Amen. He's working yes. something in me so big. Yes. I was, I, yes. we were driving. And Susan, I can't remember what year. It's 1973. Now let's, let's pick what year this was. It was about 1991. I was driving at that time. Somebody had given us a 1973, you called it the Batmobile. It was an old Plymouth. Old, old green Plymouth. I mean, it's just worn out. It looked like a government car or something, you know, that, that, was, that was pretty nice in 1973. <laughs> and, uh, and it was a blessing, I mean, because, you know, it was an improvement of what we were driving. It was a good little running car. And I was embarrassed one day, and I was coming down the road and making a turn, and I saw some people out in the, you know, on the side there that I knew, and I just wanted to just kind of, I didn't want to see me in that. And the Lord said, sit up in this car. I said, God... I don't mean, he said, sit up straight in this car. He, I said, Lord, why? And I argued with him. I said, Lord, I don't want them to see me driving this old 73 Plymouth. They think I preach, you know, a bigger message than that. I said, why do you want me to sit up in this car? And here's what the Spirit of the Lord said. He said, because I want them to see what you're in today because you're fixing to have something a whole lot better. And so I just tooted and waved, tooted and waved. And do you know, it was in less than three weeks time, we were driving a 1990, 1990 Cadillac Seville. God, God didn't even have to tell me to sit up in that. Well, sometimes he did because in that car, I'd kind of lean there once in a while. I had the little lean going. And... Okay, you getting anything? So begin every day saying, Lord, I'm trusting you and I'm in your recreative program because Romans 12, 2 says that he's transformed us. Recreated. I'm being recreated for my destiny. Why are you living in this house? Well, I'm being recreated for my destiny. I'm just on my way up. If you're running down, God's so good, he can, he can wind you back up. Say amen to that. So trust him every day that he's recreating you and things in your behalf are being worked out. Constantly he's transforming you for your destiny. And the recreative power of the word to change you and put you on track, that's what he's doing. Think about that. It's the recreative power of the word that he's trying to change you and put you back on track or back on path for your destiny. So great is the power of God that if you want change, you can have it. Don't ever think you can't. Look up here, Luke chapter 9, verse 1. One last scripture I want to talk to you about, and I want to tell you why I'm, I want to show you this scripture. Because walking with God is walking with power. Look what God said that He did. He called His twelve disciples. Do you know the Bible calls us His disciples? Amen. That God regards you as one of His own disciples. Yeah. Look what He did for His disciples. He called His twelve disciples together, and He gave them power and authority over all devils. Yes. So you got the power and the authority that God wants you to have over all devils. Now this is what walking with God will get you. The more you walk with God, and the devils are the things that's held us back. That's right. Amen. Now, the reason I wanted to show you this, I, I was reading the testimony of a, a lady that was once a waitress in a little restaurant. And this was in South Carolina. And this was her scripture. She was telling a preacher, and this is how I heard the testimony. The preacher was sharing it about her. He was preaching in South Carolina from another city. And he said, while I was there, it was a rainy day. It was the worst day I'd ever seen in my life. And he said, I walked into this restaurant and I was brushing off the rain. It was just a horrible, messy day. And when I walked in, said, I was greeted by this waitress. And she said, good morning. She said, isn't this a beautiful day? And he looked and said, he said, yeah, I guess it's all right. And she said, well, sit down here. I'm going to show you a real good Southern breakfast. And, and he finally asked her, said, well, what's got you so up? You know, this is the preacher asking now. Not, the, not her asking the preacher. This is the preacher asking the, the uh, waitress. She said, what's got you so fired up? She said, sit down here and eat these grits and I'll tell you. She said, I'll tell you. She said, because Luke 9, 1, she said, is my favorite scripture. She said to that preacher, said, do you know what Luke 9, 1 says? And he said, I'll be honest with you. He said, I didn't no more know what Luke 9, 1 said, anything. So he said, I looked at her and said, well, sweetheart, said there's a lot of different translations. I'm just not sure which translation you're talking about. 
She said, King James Version. He said, well, why don't you quote it for me? <laughs> he said, well, that God's given us power over all devils. Now, she said, I want you to know my devil was poverty. She said, my husband and I, we were the poorest people on this planet and said we couldn't hardly afford anything and, and said, you know, we got on the word and we found out that God gave us power over devils and we said, poverty's our devil. And we're going to take authority over that. And she said, I just put one son through college, got three more to go and said, God's blessed me and taking care of me and said, my husband and I said, we started a business in this American free enterprise and said, God is, is moving us up and we're watching. I mean, she was on fire because she knew she had power over the devil. But see, it's not just the devil of poverty that everybody's fighting. Some people fighting the, the devil of sensuality where, where sexualism is just, just trying to control their mind. That becomes their addiction. Other people can be different things. Inferiority complexes. It can be uh, just, just down on yourself all the time. All that is is devils. I read a, I read a, a very high-priced psychiatrist on, on Fifth Avenue. He made this statement in one of his writings. He said, he said I found out that most all my patients are demon-possessed. Now, this is, a, this is a psychiatrist. Of course, he was a Christian man. He said, all my, he said 90% of all of my patients are demon-possessed. That's what's wrong with them. They need to get over devils. See, that, he wasn't going to just fill them up with drugs. That's why he gave them scriptures. And he was going to give them scriptures to get over it because he said, this is just devils that's stopping them, and Jesus has given us power over all devils. Amen. So every devil that's whatever's messing with you, and I don't know what it is tonight. I, it could be sickness holding you back. It could be years of just saying, thoughts of what age can keep you from doing. I'm too old to do anything. I, you know, in this fixed income, like I mentioned that the other day, a lot of people say I'm on fixed income. There is, that is nothing but a devil holding you back. And God's got power for you to get free. If you'll walk with him, you can take that power. Have you thought about using the power over all the devils that's messing with you tonight? I mean, but you got to, it's not going to happen just because you're in church. You're going to have to say, you foul devil, I take authority over you and call it what it is. Yes. Amen. Yes. I, I want to tell you a testimony, Susan, Riz reminded me just a moment ago and said, are you going to tell this story? Let me tell you what just a little bit of mine and your mission money did the other day. And if this don't bless you, I'm telling you this, I, I don't know how to help you. I mentioned this to you, I think last Wednesday night, that we were preaching over in West Jasper now, and uh, not everybody in West Jasper is poor, and I don't want you to misunderstand me, but it's a, it's a rougher area, lower income area of town. A lot, of more, a lot more problems. You go, you drive on some of the streets, and just you'd think every house there is condemned, but every house is occupied by people that live in those kind of places. It do you good sometimes to go over there, and, that, and we go pretty regular, you know, ministering with Brother Jerry and and uh, taking food over. We took food this morning, in fact. But anyway, the other day, about a month ago, there was a gentleman that came to the feeding program. We were preaching that morning, eleven o'clock in the morning, for lunch, and uh, there was a gentleman came up to me, and uh, he just said, "Well, why are you here, preacher?" He said, "Pray for my wife. She's bedfast, and we got praying for him." And and he asked me a question. Just asked, he said, "Do you know?" where anybody could buy a wonder Bible. I said, well, I don't even know what a wonder Bible is. And he explained to me, it was a little device, you know, that's got, you can get different versions, but he wanted King James. He said, well, I, anyway, and it reads it to you. It's just, see, we don't need that because we'd pull out, David, our internet and get on the Wi-Fi and listen to any translation we want and anybody preach it, but they don't have Wi-Fi in, in their homes in West Jasper, a lot of them. And uh, not this man anyway. He doesn't even have a computer. And his wife, Bedfast, she wanted a little old wonder Bible. And so we said, well, I told him where the bookstore was. He wasn't familiar with it. And saw him about three or four weeks later. I said, did you find that Wonder Bible? He said, I went up there and said, they're out of them. Said, they can't hardly keep them. And said, um, but he kind of, you know, he just said, you know, said, but we, we'll find one somewhere. And that was all. Well, anyway, Susan, I said, well, we're going to get her. Remember I mentioned this to you last, was it last Wednesday? Well, Susan ordered that on Amazon and it was on sale for $35. Now I'm, I'm emphasizing this to you for a reason, $35, a little Wonder Bible. And so 
that came in the other day and, and Susan and I went down and I remember I had asked him the last time I was there I said well where do you live because I thought in my mind if we're going to get that for him I'm going to find him and I said and I knew his first name David I thought his last name was Patty but don't, I don't know his last name yet so anyway but I thought his name was David Patty and he said David and Patty and, and I found out later Patty was his wife's name he was just saying we're David and Patty but he said David Patty well anyway so we ordered that I said where do you live and he said well, I live about two blocks and he pointed the direction well we went yesterday with that put that thing in a gift bag $35 now. That's the, you and I spend $35 like it's nothing. Can I have a better amen or oh me or something? All right. And so we got this little wonder Bible for them and uh, put it in a nice gift bag. Susan put pretty little tissue paper around it and made it all pretty, you know, like a present. And so we went over two blocks from where that building was and we thought we we're going to find them. And so we started driving around because I said, Susan, this is about two blocks in the direction he pointed. I said, maybe I'd see him out in the yard. Well, I didn't, but we saw one lady walking. And she had walked across the street in front of the car before we got there. You know, we saw her coming up. We were driving real slow down the street. And, and she walked over there, and she's got two laundry baskets in her hands, Joel. And it's, you know, kind of heavy. And she's walking fast because she's trying to get to her house, and it's full of laundry. And Susan said, I asked her. I said, I'm not going to bother her. She has to stop with that load. She'll be mad at me, you know, because it looked like she was running trying to get that in the house. And so Susan went ahead and, hey, you know, something like that. So the woman stopped and turned, and so I rolled the window down. Well, I don't rolled the window down. That's 1960 there, isn't it? I, I rolled the window down. <laughs> it's 1973 Plymouth, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I rolled my window down and I said, ma'am, I said, do you know, excuse me, I said, do you know David Patty? She said, David and Patty? I said, well, maybe. She said, that's my mom and daddy. I said, they live right over here across the street. I said, my daddy's right here. So anyway, we pulled in the driveway. She said, I'll get him for you. And so we, you know, he comes out. I mean, you can imagine what he's thinking now. I don't know. This, this man is probably older than I am, maybe in his mid-60s, but, but you know what I mean. He just carried himself kind of slow, and I'm emphasizing all this for a reason. He just kind of walked around like this, you know, and, and so he came out probably thinking a bill collector was looking for him or something, you know, and he, he came out there, and he recognized me, and, and I said, hey, David, I said, uh, we got something for you, and he said, you find a Wonder Bible? Because, you know, because that's all we've ever talked about, and I said, yeah, actually we do, and Susan handed him that gift bag, and he said, really? It's in there, and the, the daughter, grown woman, what, 30s, and uh, she said, oh, mama's going to be so excited, you know, and said, yeah. And, and we said, uh, well, we got, and he said, how much do I owe you? And he started, and Susan said, nothing. We just want to bless you with it. Are you serious? He did like this, bro. He said, thank y'all so much. Now, this man that looked like he might have been in his 70s that moves like this. Now, I'm not emphasizing the 70s. I'm just saying he looks kind of, he moves like this. That man and that daughter shaked our hands as fast as they could and said, bye. And they ran like little kids. They ran like this. They ran like this at Christmas time over there. Mama's going, and I thought, and I sat there in the driveway, Barbara. I cried. I just sat there thinking, thirty-five dollars. Wow. I mean, if somebody came to me and said, "I'm paying off two hundred thousand dollars for your house," or something like that, you know, just some big bill that somebody might owe. I, we don't get as excited as that man did over thirty-five dollars. It doesn't take a whole lot to bless some people. And we all—I told Susan, I said, we ought to be doing stuff like that every day. I've never seen kids at Christmas any more excited. And all it was was just 35, and, and I told this lady yesterday on the telephone, because she sews in this church, I'm telling you too, you sew into missions, is that while we're sleeping at the house tonight, your money's got a wonder Bible, preaching the word, proclaiming the word, on a ba and I believe with all my heart, Susan, Susan said, I believe, James, that's the, that's the key to the, the seed, rather, to revival, the healing power over there in West Jasper, and just bring a miracle, because it's sowing the word. Well, I wish we had more time to get into that. But I'm telling you, that, that waitress said, 
our devil was poverty and we stopped that thing. Well, we can stop it with $35 Wonder Bible over some people's life. Anyway, that's all we got time to get into tonight. I'll, I'll tell you more about that later. Did you get anything out of that tonight? Say, walking with God is walking in power. Say it again. Walking with God is walking in power. One more time. Say, I'm walking with God. And all of his power is available to me today. He regards me as his disciple. And he's given me power. He's given me power already. Over all devils. In Jesus' name. Now take that authority and that power and cast them out. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen.